0: Welcome to episode 10 of Gen X Voices, giving Gen X women opportunities to share their stories and what they're passionate about. I'm your host, Susan B. Bentley, the Gen X Women's Coach, and in this episode, the last of season one, I chat with Karen Miller, a Reiki master, coach, and holistic practitioner. Karen practices holistic living, nature spirituality, and a little bit of magic every day. She's an ordained minister herbalist, equestrian and mum to a daughter and many animals. In this episode we talk about Karen's journey from trapped in a corporate but successful life through suicidal thoughts, depression and food allergies to now being an advocate for holistic living. Karen broke out of living her life how she should live it to embrace all the coulds as she turned 50. In our chat, Karen helps me get over my immense fear of horses and we also talk about having fulfilling relationships later in life. To find out more about Karen and her courses, go to her website at shiftkitchen.com. Her social media are also on the show notes for this episode. I hope you enjoy our chat and I hope you enjoyed the whole of season one of Gen X Voices. You can connect with me on Instagram at the Gen X Women's Coach and Twitter at SuzeBB. As this is the last episode of Season 1 of GenX Voices, I would love to hear your feedback on the GenX Voices journey so far and what you'd like to hear more of in Season 2. The link to a survey, a quick survey, is in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy Episode 10. Hi Karen. Hello. Oh, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. I'm so pleased we have been able to do this. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. Now, are we connected through um, I think it's through Cindy Shoulson's marketing from the heart community on Facebook when I put a call out saying any Gen X women want to share their stories? And you came back to me. So I'm so pleased we get to have this conversation now because you know stuff that i know nothing about so you're a reiki master and have i pronounced reiki right probably not yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah a reiki master you're um you do equine therapy as well yeah it's actually equine massage therapy
1: and um that's yeah that's something that i started back in I, 1995 now it's been um, and that's really fascinating work too.
0: So we'll talk about that as well. And I will attempt to get over my, I haven't told you this, absolute dread and fear of horses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> petrified. We'll cross no, roads to them. No. <laughs> We won't go too deep into that, but I'm really interested into how that therapy works. And you're also, like me, you're a life coach. Um, You're also a holistic practitioner as well, and lots of natural things involved in that. I saw on your blog post recently you've been looking at kind of healing herbs and healing foods. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of that. So let's start off with, I just want to hear from you your journey because your journey is really interesting to me and I think it's going to be one that vibes and resonates with lots of our listeners where you've had a couple of points kind of like going from having suicidal thoughts 10 years ago to where you are now and then also kind of turning 50. So talk me through your journey up to kind of from, from there to where you are now.
1: Okay Well, you know, 10 years ago, my life definitely looked very different than it does today. Um, I literally got out of bed every morning, um, you know, and I would say right out loud, I hate my life. And I don't think that anyone ought to ever live like that, you know, like ever, should that be the way that they feel about their life. Um, and, And it was a... A perfect storm, if you will, of, of things that brought me to this place. Um, I was living very out of alignment. I didn't love what I was doing. I had a job I hated. Um, I was a single mom, so I felt that, you know, I was kind of trapped and I, I didn't really know how to get out of that uh, hole, if you will, that I had dug myself into. And, you know, it was funny because. From the outside, you know, it looks kind of like I was successful. You know, I had a good job. I bought a house. I was raising a daughter by myself. We had horses. We were showing. We were, you know, we looked like we were doing really well. Um, And yet I hated my life and how I felt. And, um, you know, it was sort of a, a manifestation, if you will, of when I was growing up, I was, you know, given all the things that I should do, right? As life coaches, we run into
0: this a lot, all those things the, the that we we should yeah, do. The yes. shoulds versus the kids.
1: Yes, and, and I really took those in and I did that. I did the things that I was told I should do, which I think a lot of women... In my generation did, you know, we were all given sort of that recipe to follow. So we, you know, we graduated from high school, we went to college, we got a degree, we got a job, we, you know, we got married, we got homes, we, we did all these things, right. And we were told that that was the way. Well, it turns out that that was definitely not the way for me. Um, it, it was a Uh, you know, it led to depression and I, you know, anxiety. And I I just had this downward spiral that just kept getting worse as, as I went through the motions, because that's really what I was doing was just going through the motions. Um, And again, I looked like I was functional on the outside, but, you know, the inside world was something entirely different. Um, So, you know, one day I, I woke up and I realized that I had planned out my entire suicide. I had it planned down to like a soundtrack and and I was going to write a message on my arm, you know, to my family. Um, I I literally was so shocked out of it at that point. And it's good that I was. I mean, it was definitely a case of divine intervention. And that's the turning point for me, you know, and that happened about 10 years ago. And shortly after I started to, Rebuild I I got um, a diagnosis of like multiple food allergies and so all of a sudden, you know My whole world was thrown into this whole chaos again, right? So then I had to figure out how to get traction on that um, In addition to dealing with the you know, the depression and the you know, the, the suicidal piece and what to do next and so It's really really been a very long process that has taken me, you know, quite literally a little more than 10 years to build back to this peace, flow, and joy that you know, I think everyone should
0: have. So, what changed for you? What was? Were there any kind of key parts of that that journey? So, it's a long journey. How old was your daughter when when you were going through all of this?
1: Um, she was just getting ready to graduate high school. So she would have been about 17 or 18 at the time. And, um, you know, even that was sort of a factor for me because I had this um, feeling of I'm no longer needed, you know, because she was getting to that point where she didn't really need me. Um, and, and even that was a contributing factor, um, you know, to how I felt internally. Now, no one has you know, ever you know, said to me, well, you know, she doesn't need you or, or any of those things. It's just that, you know, like you internalize these things and you, you start to have this negative self-talk and, you know, I fell victim to all of the things that go along with that. Um, but turning points, there were several. Um, the first was when I got this diagnosis with all these good allergies, I changed my whole diet. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I had lost 30 pounds. Um, you know, I felt better. I, you know, I, I felt more vital. Um, and, and I had this, um, healthiness about me that i hadn't had in quite a while and it was it was really a revelation too because i thought that my diet was pretty good right and then mm. once i changed it i found out how bad it actually was and i really think that that had also been a contributing factor um diet is such a powerful piece of of self-care and taking care of ourselves right so
0: I That i was, was just gonna i was gonna just i just jump in and just so i can completely agree with you i have food allergies yeah. and um I don't think people who don't have any food allergies realize that actually it it has a mental health toll because what your body's constantly doing is constantly fighting what you're putting into it. Yeah. And the the physical affects the mental and affects the emotional. It does. You're right. It It absolutely was, you know, a piece of
1: the downward spiral. And I didn't even know it, you know, and I'm sure that there are a lot of other folks who are you know affected by it and they don't know it either so that's the how i've become such an advocate for holistic living um is through that experience and you know making sure that you're you're looking at all those pieces in in the whole as in holistic um because they do matter and they are overlooked and you know uh, western medicine has a very different view of dealing with that than you know the more holistic types of of medical care that you can find around the world Um, and so it it can be hard you know to get help you know um, even for me I didn't get really a whole lot of help from doctors or even nutritionists when I was really struggling through it and I didn't even know how to cook right I was however old I was almost 40 and and I I didn't really know how to cook you know opening packages doesn't count as cooking you know (laughs) so I had to learn how to do that too Um, but it really did lead me to a a tremendous turning point you know for really focusing on my well-being through natural and holistic types of um, eating and and therapies and and it really opened my mind I think is one of the the first things that happened.
0: And then did you have a point where you kind of like okay I I want this to become my life path rather than what was you know as you said you had a successful job before a nice house
1: did you yeah.
0: how, how did you take that step to kind of go right I'm I'm not going to keep going with the with the shoulds I'm going to start looking at the coulds instead
1: well you know what I've often said about myself that I tend to be a little bit of a slow learner so it takes me a while sometimes till I get there so that turning point happened when I turned 50. That would have been in 2016. And my 50th birthday, it was just like a switch had flipped. And I just was mad as hell and I wasn't going to take it anymore. You know, Um, (laughs) it really was true. Right. I'm like, this is not okay with me. I can't live like this and I'm not going to either. And this would be after decades of, you know, uh, trying to put that square peg in a round hole, you know, um, it had become so deeply ingrained in me that this is what I had to do. Um, that it really took that being mad as hell in order to break out of that cycle um, and to risk all of the uh criticism that I knew was probably gonna follow, right? I, I was sure that there were gonna be a lot of folks who were gonna share their opinion with me about, you know, what I should do, right? Um, so I knew that there was going to be a lot of that, but I think once you get to that that place, you just don't care. And being 50 sort of gave me this sense of empowerment about taking charge of my life. And that is where I made the decision, like literally on my 50th birthday, I said, you know what, this is it. I'm doing this. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what I'm going to have to do, but things are going to change. And that is sort of how it all came to be. So in 2000, 17 then, I pursued some additional training that would allow me to make the transition. Um, and my my personal spiritual journey had started way, way back, like in the 90s. So it was kind of just uh, picking that up, you know, because I kind of put it aside a little bit, you know, in favor of going through the motions of that life I was supposed to want. Um, so I kind of picked that back up. And that has really been a driving force since that time when I made that decision And then all of the experiences that I've had have really become the foundations now of how I can help other people and what I can offer. Um, Having lived through it gives you a different perspective, I think. Um, Plus kind of understanding what it takes and how you have to do the work, you know, to get there because it it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I think that my journey may have been longer than some folks, but at the same time, it just it takes however long it takes until you get there.
0: Yeah. And your journey is still your journey and your journey keeps going until you're not on the planet anymore. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, you said you're a slow learner. I don't think you're a slow, I don't think there is <laughs> such a thing as like a slow learner or a, a fast learner. I think it's just like a continual life journey with lots of twists and turns. And it's amazing that you've just kind of learned so much from, especially as you said, kind of like you hit 50 and you just that. i'm not going to take any. that film network's got a lot to answer for with that line isn't it i love that line as well so (laughs) what position are you in now what what do you offer out so you've got reiki going on equine massage therapy holistic practitioners who do you who do you feel that you serve in terms of kind of clients well um the, the people that I
1: feel I can serve most are going to be the ones who are in that place where they're ready to make a change. Um, maybe they're living that same shoulds kind of life that I was living, or maybe they have come to want something more out of life, and they're seeking more of a spiritual path. Um, all of these things have sort of combined into what Shift Kitchen has become. Shiftkitchen.com is the name of my website. And over there, I offer online Reiki classes. So if people are looking for um, that, you know, which Reiki is a wonderful support for your personal journey, your spiritual journey, your transformation, your growth, whatever it might be, Um, it's super simple to learn. And, you know, I I definitely think that it's a a great support for all of that work and then coaching um, with a a life coach and wellness coach uh, focus. Um, Because I believe that both are so intertwined, you can't really have one without the other. Um, So I can help people take a look at, you know, what they're doing and and what they're eating and, you know, how they're living and sort of come up with a plan that considers all of those things um, as a way to help them get to their goals. Um, and it's kind of, you know, a lot of people think, well, what I eat doesn't have anything to do with what I want to do professionally, but it kind of does, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you know, it's, it's that rule. Um, so, so there's a little bit of that going on. I have a blog, which focuses on all kinds of holistic things. Um, so just recently I've, I've been doing a plant medicine series I'm a home herbalist, and, um, you know, I love integrating those kinds of things into my life, and my spirituality is very based in nature, um, and so that's also a very healthy part of, of what I'm offering. Um, self-care and nature spirituality are combined right into those coaching programs, too, um, and so it's, it's not one thing. It's a whole bunch of things. You know, Shift Kitchen has really kind of been born out of my experiences and how I've um, really found help, you know, through these these things. Coaching has been huge for me in in helping me get back to good. Reiki has been huge in helping me get back to good. My spirituality has been, self care has been, creativity has been. So it's it's all of those things. And if if that resonates with um, you know the people, then then those would be. Um, the things that I would bring to helping them to create that peace, flow, and joy in
0: their life, too. And it's that thing of a blossoming of yourself and learning for yourself means that you can help others and help others to blossom.
1: Yeah, it is. I I feel like, um, you know, yeah. And and I feel like I'm so grateful for all of those bad things that happened um, because without those... I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't know what I know today. I wouldn't have any wisdom um, that I could share with anyone about how to get there. Um, I wouldn't be able to meet them on their journey. I wouldn't be able to make them feel seen and heard um, and cared for and supported and, you know, even inspired because I I wouldn't know what that journey is like. Um, So I'm really, really grateful for all those things that happened. And, um, it's. I know it seems kind of weird to say, but it really is true. I am so grateful that all of that happened to bring me to today because the life I have today is is fantastic. I love my life today.
0: And what does your life consist of today? Kind of What, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What motivates you? And who are you surrounded by now as well?
1: Yeah, that's really important, isn't it? Um, surrounding yourself by the right kind of people. Um, Well, I live in a very rural area. Um, It is uh, a lot of dirt roads and, you know, wildlife and and green spaces and nature. And as I look out the window, you know, I can see acres of trees out there, um, which definitely feeds my soul. That's something that I really thrive on. Um, You know, I spend every day, at least part of every day with my horses who are definitely my healers and therapists too, you know. Um, I've always said they're a little cheaper than having a shrink. You know? Ha, ha. <laughs> I, know, I know that's not a very politically correct thing to say, but I think everyone understands that statement, right? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they really have done a great deal of good for me. You know, they really do. They help me um, to feel that balance in life that I think can only come from interacting with another sentient being, you know. Um, so I have that. Uh, I share my life with a wonderful man who I waited a very long time to meet in life. You know, um, I was over 50 and, you know, he was in his late forties. Um, so we we both have come to this wonderful place where, you know, we feel like we've both waited a very long time for a truly supportive and, and wonderful relationship. So there's, you know, there's that. Um, I have many animals who definitely also feed my soul. And, you know, I've got four cats, a dog, and I think there are seven chickens now, plus my three horses. Um, And so all of these things combined have really made such a difference. And, um, of course, offering services to other people that can help them um, is probably the thing I love most about my life these days. Um, Being able to do something that has meaning is such a gift.
0: I love that. Doing something that has meaning and that that ends up has, has turned into a bit of a theme for this first season of Janet's Voices um, for what my guests have been saying about kind of pinpoints of where things have changed for them and then now lead, leading a life that has meaning for them and that can help others as well. And you said as well that you waited a long time for the relationship you're in now, I know, I know it's not very helpful, kind of like kind of going, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, ifs, but what's the difference between, you know, what's the difference in having the relationship now and your, how old are you now? Is it 50? I will be 55 this summer. 55. And very much kind of somebody that's got to the core of themselves. And so, you know, is ever learning as we all are, ever learning. Right. Um, but is so comfortable with themselves as they as they are now. How is that? How does how is that different in terms of having a relationship with somebody else at, at this at this stage of your life?
1: You know, I think the biggest difference is that I was willing to take the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, before I would. Um, I've always been one of those people who tends to bail, right? I I run away from things. And I didn't really have um, truly healthy adult relationships to model from. You know, in my childhood, I was, um, you know, a child of divorce. My father was an abusive alcoholic. You know, um, he wasn't with me, but he nearly beat my mother to death. I mean, that's how abusive he was. And I witnessed it. So, you know, from a really early age, I didn't have a particularly good way to, to know what it took to have a good relationship. Like, I just didn't, I didn't know. So I had to figure it out as I went along. And it was hard, you know, like really hard, because I would just run at the first sign of trouble. You know, I, I never stuck around to see what came next. Um, I made a lot of bad choices um, when it came to people to spend time with, you know, I tended to see what I wanted to see instead of what the reality was. So that's another really big thing that has changed is my awareness of myself. Um, my boundaries are strong now, whereas before they would not have been. I would have been like, oh, well, you know, I'll just put up with that because, you know, it's it's not that bad. right?" And, and now they're very firm, you know. Um, and so there has been all of these things that have happened with me that have made me a better partner. And I think that's really what it took. Um, I don't think there was anything wrong with any of those other people necessarily. Um, I think I had to do the work on me first, you know, in order to come to that place where I was really willing to invest and really willing to commit and really willing to see it through. And, you know, they're never like 100% easy, right, like you never get that. I mean, there's always something that you have to do. And this is true now too, but now it's easier because I want to do this work, right? Mm So I think those are the significant things that have made it so fulfilling. Um, and I know that he feels a lot the same way, too. And I think that we both were similar and that we both had to do the work to get to the place where we could actually have this relationship.
0: You sound like that. I'm not going to say perfect couple, but it certainly sounds, sounds close in terms of like both very kind of self-actualized beings that are now coming together at this point in your life.
1: Well, and, you know, it was funny, too, because part of that 50th birthday thing, um, there were a couple of things that happened in addition to the, you know, putting the line in the sand, so to speak. I also decided that I was going to manifest that perfect partner for myself. Um, And so I did all those things, right, that you do to manifest something. And, um, you know, this is who showed up. (laughs) So, I can't argue with the universe, you know, when they tell you, you know, who you are, um, you know, you kind of are are prone to believe it, right? Um, And and so, I did that, and and I also, you know, tried to make sure that I manifested a new path for myself, and that too has been um, sort of what has happened uh, so I definitely believe that there's a lot of magic that's happening all around us all the time. Things that are unseen that, you know, we may not be aware of. And learning to trust all of that has been, um, you know, that's been kind of hard too. That's been a journey and has taken some patience and some practice.
0: And that's that's about as well, isn't it? About accepting what you don't necessarily understand right. when it happens of the purpose of it happening but just you know not everything is going to be facts some things are are just going to happen you know prime example you know the universe speaking in terms of the pandemic and kind of like well are are you a rigid person that kind of just shrieks at the sight of change and then struggles to cope with it saying that we've all struggled to cope with it Um, especially in the UK at the moment we're still in Lockdown, um, or can you kind of see? I don't want to say benefits because I think we've all had really rubbish times over, over the last year, but certainly being able to kind of move with what's going on a bit more and be a bit more agile about things that are outside of your control. And it's interesting, it's like you've got that, but you've got as well kind of that thing about setting firm boundaries for yourself as well which again is another thing that's kind of come up repeatedly in these in these episodes with other guests as well with myself as well if somebody told me the word boundaries when I was 12 I wish I'd known what boundaries meant at 11 even I, I wish I'd known before the last kind of probably five six years when i've kind of really got into exploring myself in terms of my boundaries and having firm boundaries for people yeah
1: i absolutely agree with that completely i you know that's something that we should uh, definitely pass down to our younger sisters is the the concept of boundaries and holding them um because i never was taught that either and i think that a lot of us um as gen x women you know not only were we given that recipe for life but you know we were also a lot of times and i know this is true for me we were told we're too much or we're not enough and often at the same time we're told both of those things right so there was all this confusion and many years ago when i first started my spiritual journey um you know i tried it within the christian church and i was very active in my church i was on council and we went all the time and we did all these things and i became pretty friendly with our pastor who was an older man who had children about my age. Um, And, you know, he said to me one time, and this is a a statement that has stayed with me all these years. He said, Karen, you grew up at a time when all of the signposts were down. Mm. And I didn't understand what he meant straight away, but I had to think about it for a little bit. And then it started to occur to me that he was really right. You know, we didn't have um, as many Rules, if you will, as our mothers had had or our grandmothers had had, and we had more rules than our daughters may have had, right? But we kind of came into this gray area, you know, like mm-hmm. right after the sexual revolution and right after like women's lib and all these things that had happened, right? And the 80s and the excess of, you know, all these things. So we ended up kind of on this cusp in between, and we had to sort of go ahead without the the knowledge that we might have had otherwise because those signposts were down, um, but it also gave us this great opportunity to change things, and mm-hmm. I think that that is our gift to our daughters is our ability to help them do something different.
0: And how does that manifest now in your relationship with your daughter? Because it sounds like she's older now.
1: She is, yeah, she is. Um, she just had a birthday actually this month. She's 29. And she lives um, in another state, and she is a nurse. So um, she has done extremely well. I'm very proud of her. She's um, by far the finest thing I've ever done with my life. Um, and being a single mom, you know, it was it, it was challenging sometimes, but I have to say that it was also a very rewarding experience. Um, you know, it was uh, the kind of thing that builds a relationship between a mother and a daughter that just doesn't exist otherwise. Um, we're still pretty close. We actually just talked a little bit this morning and, um, you know, we see each other as often as we can. But my, my approach, if you will, to parenting was a little different than for sure how I was parented. Um, My idea was, is that you give your kids the wings to fly, but you provide them with a soft place to land also. So I encouraged her to to do things, you know, to make her own choices um, but to understand that there are consequences to every choice that you make and some of them stay with you, you know, they're not something that lasts a day or two, Um, it's going to be life-changing and to understand how that works, you know, um, and to to make the choices based on where do you want to go next, you know, not in the moment but where do you want to go next.
0: I think that's fantastic. So, giving them the wings to fly, but providing them with a soft landing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that's what I wanted to and give her.
0: That
1: yeah, thank you. Um, it was definitely how I always saw it. And, you know, it's funny too, because um, we talked a little bit about the horses, and I've been a rider now for uh, many, many years. I started when I was 18, and I had this, uh, I cut it out of a magazine. Um, probably I was. I don't know, maybe 15 or 16. And I think it may have come out of like a a popular ladies magazine or something, but it was an ad and it had this little girl jumping on, on a horse. Um, like she would have been jumping over a fence, but the fence had been removed and there was piano keys underneath her. And it said uh, something like, give your kids the wings to fly. And I, I cut it out and I kept it you know it was like tacked to my bedroom wall for many many years and i think now i understand why i was so attracted to that because it actually kind of became the mantra that i i raised my daughter with and she's a rider too we we raised her with horses you know i i raised her with horses um so she started riding and she started showing horses by the time she was just four years old and she wow. still does it yeah to this day she still does it um so you know, it was really important to me that I be able to give her a legacy of some kind. Um, so it's not just the horses, it's also one of kindness and, you know, helping other folks and, and doing for other people, um, you know, it, behaving with integrity. And, you know, those sorts of things are all very important too.
0: So living your values, which is something I continually <laughs> come back, come back to, and um, for me, it's kind of where where I've not enjoyed jobs I've had or where I've had some rubbish relationships, it, it actually does come down to just the values not resonating with each other, whether that was like my boss or the company or the person that I was with at the time. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that, you know, there's exact matches in terms of values, but there has to be recognising the strengths of each other's values, I think.
1: I think you're right. And, you know, it's taken me a while to figure out which are my values and which are the ones that I inherited because I, mm-hmm. I inherited a lot of them. Yeah, um, you know, I was given a, a set of rules, if you will, by which I was to play. And um, then I was, you know, continuously judged for not being able to play within those rules, right? Um, I, I can remember, um, you know, when I, when I first started riding horses, I was 18, I was in college and it was something that I had wanted my whole life. You know, I mean, I'd ask for a pony every year from, you know, the time I could talk until, you know, I, I went to college and I never got one for Christmas or my birthday. Um, so they offered it as a non-credit course and I took it. And I remember very clearly the resistance that I, I got from my family. Um, it was, it was not a very positive experience for me, but I, I didn't let it stop me. I kept going. And to this day, um, doing that and learning to ride has been one of the bravest things I think I've ever done because I, I literally said, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for me. And I kept going. And then I remember coming home the first year after college and saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I have a degree in accounting um, and I I don't want to do this anymore. I I, I want to ride horses and I I want to work with horses professionally. And I remember being told that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you will never make any money doing that. So I let them talk me out of it, you know, and shame on me for, for allowing that. But I didn't know any better at the time. And so it all kind of goes with those rules that we were given, the boundaries we couldn't hold doing the things that we were told we should do and how they really affect how we live and then we get into these situations like you just described where we don't fit in or we feel like we're out of alignment and you know we keep going until we get to that place where I was where I was like literally ready to to just end it all Mm -hmm. right these are the things that no one talks about how you know when we do the things that we're told we should do and not what we truly feel these are the after effects the side effects if you will of what can happen next you know and for some folks you know they can live that way and for others like us we just we just
0: can't yeah I'm just I'm just sitting here kind of nodding along and agreeing with everything that you've just said it's so interesting with that and I've, I've got to ask what is equine massage therapy I'm, well, I'm scared it, just even saying it because I'm <laughs> proper scared of horses.
1: <laughs> it is exactly as it suggests that it is. It is massage therapy specifically for the horse. Um, our horses and, you know, everyone has a little bit different use for their horse. But, you know, for us, our horses are definitely athletes. You know, we ask a lot of them. We compete with them. Um, my daughter rides in the hunters, which means that she jumps over fences. Um, I gave that part up quite a long while ago, actually. I love dressage, um, which is all on the flat. You don't have to jump over anything for that. And we trail ride a little bit now too. Um, But we do ask a lot from them and their bodies are just like our bodies. You know, a muscle is a muscle. So they suffer from the same types of athletic type things that we would suffer from if we were made to go to the gym and work out, you know. Um, We would have some sore muscles. We would have some things that didn't feel quite right. And horses are the same. And you can, you know, through the use of massage, you can use it um, to reduce pain and, and, you know, get rid of those little ouchy things and really enhance their um, ability to do the job that you're asking them to do. Um, And and it's the kind of thing that works as a a support. You know, it's not like a one and done kind of thing. It's not a magic bullet, but it works really well as a preventative and as a, a form of support. And I remember first seeing it um, as a demonstration that was done for a a group that I belonged to. They brought this person in who did massage therapy, and I I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to know more, right? So I I found somewhere that I could go for training, and I, I took that in 1995. So... That kind of started the ball rolling for me. Actually, the massage therapy for horses. Um, at that point, I started to become aware of Reiki and other holistics, and that kind of started the ball rolling for me and and started my curiosity, if you will. Um, and and it you know it led to me taking Reiki and then you know working with herbs and flower essences and aromatherapy. And I'm also a master teacher of magnified healing. Um, I took classwork in all sorts of like, you know, other types of, of things like, you know, human massage, for example, and reflexology, iridology. Um, and I, I just started to love this whole holistic view of everything. So I give the massage therapy a, a lot of credit for sort of launching me, if you will, um, into years of learning.
0: <laughs> so what, what would you suggest? So I'm I'm going to ask you for some <laughs> Cheap, cheap advice. What would you suggest I do from a holistic practitioner point of view to rid myself of my absolute terror of horses?
1: Well, I think that you have to, uh, you know, first and foremost, you have to find a safe space for you to be around horses. For example, Mm. when I first started riding, I started with a professional instructor. And um, I recommend that for at least one year. You know, if, if you go and you take lessons from a, um, an instructor, a qualified instructor, uh, and, and you learn all the things that you need to learn about how to handle them, how to be safe around them, how to groom and tack and, you know, do all the things that you are um, going to need to know in order to make sure that you stay safe. I think that makes the biggest difference. Um, what I see most of the time, if I run into someone who is afraid of horses, is that they maybe had a backyard experience where the horse was really not suitable and they ended up getting injured or thrown off or whatever the case might be. And then they developed a fear. Um, that's usually how it happens because they didn't approach it with this safety in mind. Um, so that would be my first recommendation, you know. If after all of that, you still find that you are experiencing fear, I would say NLP, Neuro Linguistic mm-hmm. Programming. That, that would be my next approach, um, because I think that that can do a lot. Um, and, and, you know, every once in a while we all run into it, even as riders, you know, with 30 some years under my belt, um, you know, the anxiety that I was feeling about other things kind of seeped into my life in the saddle. Um, and so I had to use some techniques like that in order to help myself too, you know, um, because it, it just happens, you know, even if you have spent many, many years around them, you know, if you have a bad experience or a fall or something like that, um, you know, you can end up getting that fear back that, you know, hasn't been present for decades, maybe, but all of a sudden there it is. Um, so that would be, you know, those would be my recommendations if, if you're really wanting to spend time around them. And I'm sure that, um, You know, the UK is probably a little bit different than it is here in the States as far as like uh, what the qualifications are. Mm. Um, So I'm not really sure. Uh, I know the British Horse Society is probably a pretty good resource.
0: I'll definitely look into it. I think for me, it's getting rid of the fear because I do lots of walking in the countryside and I'm, I'm actively avoiding fields that have got horses in them oh no 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 proper avoiding those fields and climbing over barbed wire instead
1: (laughs) oh my I I think I'd be more afraid of the barbed wire um but you know that having been said you know uh it is good to have a good healthy respect for them you know because uh, they outweigh you by 10 times and you know it's you never know what what their personalities are you can't tell from across a field if they're you know, nice if they're not so nice. And horses are very much like people in that they all have their very own personality. Um, and you may find, you know, one that, um, you know, is just sweet and wants to get in your pocket, and the next one would rather kick you, you know. Um, and and they're, they, they're like that, you know, they, they really do have their very own specific personalities. But if you did go to an instructor, what they would do is put you on horses that are are safe you know they're tested they know what they're going to do they know what the reactions are going to be so that you know they take that out of the equation you know you, you don't have to worry about any of those things happening on that horse uh, because they've been specifically selected you know as part of that school program
0: I really like thank you for that because I really like the idea of like doing that at, at least for a year um, rather than kind of like what was going through my mind was like we'll just go and stand next to lots of horses and immerse yourself in them but I actually like you much prefer your approach and kind of defer to your experience as well because that's (laughs) sort of grounded in experience and fact and knowledge rather than me just trying to terrorize myself i'm not sure well, you know, therapy work if
1: since. you do do that though i definitely then recommend like if you do that for a whole year then i recommend that you immerse yourself in it and you get your you know your your body and your being as close to them as you can because they really are healing you know really very healing i don't know if the uk has programs where they have equine assisted therapy Um, But they they do that, you know, here for folks with um, either some type of disability or Mm -hmm. in some cases for things like PTSD or other situations. Um, And and it really is like one of the most wonderful things to watch Mm -hmm. the development in in those people who are interacting with those horses. Um, I was fortunate to, um, you know, a long, long time ago be involved in one that was specifically for therapeutic purposes. And, it's it's really amazing to see how people just bloom you know they just literally blossom around these these horses so definitely do that if you you know if you get that year then make sure you spend all the time you can around them they are really really therapeutic
0: what else is therapeutic to you because you said as well that your your spirituality now is is based in nature
1: it is yes um you know just getting outside is is such a uh healthy thing for me you know it helps me to reset um you know you mentioned that you go for a walk i think of walking like a moving meditation um i do you know seated meditation too and usually every day i I don't skip very many days with meditation but sometimes i go for the moving meditation which a walk can definitely be that um qigong or tai chi those things are all wonderful too for moving meditation Um, but i start every day with an intention you know I, i set an intention for the day Um, I I use things like affirmations and meditation and my horses, you know, obviously are definitely a part of that, too. Um, But nature is, for me, such a huge, huge thing. You've probably heard the saying, nature is my church. And for me, that's really true. Like when when my soul just needs a reset, um, I head out to find a wild space or, you know, even hug a tree. You know, Um, that is to me one of the best nourishing things that i can do for my soul in order to feel me again instead of you know whatever else might be going on and creating that calm um that that i want you know the the harmony that i want in my life is really for me very connected to that nature
0: and i think i i've i've found that for myself in terms of just being connected to nature especially um having the absence of that for me in the last year in the uk we've had a number of lockdowns where we haven't been able to go very far um i don't have a car because i live in the middle of a city so i can't even there's only so many times you keep walking around the same parks but that's that's all you can do so that's what i've kept doing really and the sea as well um with everybody else but i've massively missed that connection to nature in, in the last year of just being completely out in just the wilderness last year, year before last, no, actually, sorry, I was up in the Peak District, um, one of our national parks and just having some amazing walks just by myself. You know, I've always said, I always, I have one friend that, I, that I'm happy to walk with, but, not not the rest of them I like walking by I like going hiking by by myself because then I can talk to myself and nobody cares it's it's
1: very therapeutic and you know what else I do I don't know um what I have a friend who calls it a sparkle walk she takes every day um and what she does is and, and I do this too I just go out there and I I use like a fresh view and a a new set of eyes if you will to see the same old environment like you mentioned that you're having to see the same stuff well if you go out with this idea that maybe you're going to see something new or even like set an intention that you're going to find something on your your journey Um, i had a hype not too long ago where before i left i said you know um what what gifts will there be out there for me today and i found a snail and i found a turkey feather and, you know, these things all have meaning for me, you know, because this is my my spirituality. Um, so sometimes if you just take a little new view, you know, of that same park or that same tree or whatever it is, you'll find a little bit of magic, you know, that you can add to your day um, to make it not quite so mundane or not quite so routine.
0: I really like that. And your friend calls it a sparkle walk. A sparkle walk yeah um yeah i borrowed that from
1: her um and and i love the idea of doing that too you know just for the sheer joy of doing it and and we do this thing called a wonder and wonder day so we will often just get in the car and not as much now obviously because of the you know COVID situation but just just go somewhere and it might be a town that we've been to a million times but we go with the idea that we're gonna see it in a new way or we're gonna experience it in a new way or we're gonna walk on a street we've never been to or we're gonna visit a shop or a cafe that we've never seen or you know, go to a park or trail that we have never looked at before even though it's right in our backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, in, in the county that I live in, there are a number of covered bridges and believe it or not, even though I've lived here, I have never seen them all. So one day last fall, we got in the car and we, we drove to them you know, to see all of them. Um, and, and just little things like that can make a big difference and we call it wander and wonder because we just go out and wander so we can wonder.
0: <laughs> I love that as well, Wander and wonder and sparkle yeah. books. I think we can all try a bit of that from now on right? actually sharing it with all of us. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. So I've got one last question for you. Um, as you're my final guest on the first season of Janet's Voices. Um, if you could go back to that you of 1992 when you i guess you were probably very enveloped in in the shoulds rather than the coulds yeah what advice do you think you could give yourself
1: uh you know i think i would first of all tell her that i love her because i don't oh. think she knew that i i really don't think that she knew that and i think she lived a lot of years not knowing that um the other thing is is that i would tell her that she is just now entering a real state of shift um in 1992 is when i had my daughter so mm-hmm. i was a new mom and i had no idea what the world was going to hold for me obviously you know um I, I, I you know i would say state of the path you know um that that version of me that 1992 version had no idea the magic and the the wonder that was going to unfold as she moved forward. And now that I can look back at it, you know, I have this whole thing about being the crone, you know, the, the triple goddess, the mother maiden and crone. Um, now that I'm the crone, I treasure every bit of that journey to today. You know, um, when I was, you know, in 1992, I, I just didn't even understand any of it. Like I, I didn't have the perspective um to to know so as the crone i would definitely tell her live every day love every day and you know just keep going you know with love in your heart because no one ever said that to me you know so that would be my message back
0: and that you love her which i think is incredibly powerful yeah incredibly powerful
1: it is it really is
0: thank you so much karen i'm like proper this has been lovely. This was such a lovely chat. I'm so glad we got to oh, do this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. It has been my pleasure. Um, we had a few delays, but we finally got here.
0: We got there in the end. It's been, you know, we've said this before, it's it's been a very long year, but I'm so I'm so pleased that we've connected with each other because it's just again that thing of kind of finding resonant souls out in the world that you can connect with is just a wonderful yes. Yes, kindreds. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. So um, I'm going to make sure that in the show notes for this episode, we have got some suicide helpline numbers for people. Um, I've done training on safe talk. So I think it's really important that whenever suicide gets discussed, we're very honest and open and include those helplines that people can talk if they want to talk. And also, how can people um, reach you, find out more about what you're doing? Is the best place your website?
1: Well, uh, yes, um, shiftkitchen.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram. And I do have uh, Pinterest also so i'll make sure that you have all of those links um for the show notes as well and um if anybody loves nature i would invite them to come by and check out the instagram um it's at ravenwood because i share a lot of images there from the heart of my rural home as as you well know
0: beautiful Um, especially the recent snow
1: beautiful yeah yeah i've got a bunch more coming too so stay tuned
0: (laughs) fantastic thank you so much karen it was absolute joy to have a chat with you it was my pleasure thank you you take care
1: you too